This is Pucks in 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Maniash. Okay, Vic. So just to let you know, I'm looking at the calendar. Today is March 14th. The last day of the NHL regular season, less than a month away, April 13. So we're almost there. Can you believe it? 30 days. Yeah. Am I right? 30 days? Pretty, pretty much. So we're <laughs> exactly exciting. a month, exactly a month away and how things will change, I think, in the next 30 days. It's crunch time. So it it's is. basically the final four weeks plus an extra couple of days to wrap everything yeah. up, but it's going to go very, very, very fast. So next time we're talking this time next week, only a few left. And then the week after that, it flies this time of year, absolutely flies by. And, yeah. but I think we are in for some surprises. We always are. One team always falls off a cliff and always. one team always moves in the other direction. Yeah. And now we're going to have to try and guess who, who does what. And by the time the last games are played on the 13th, this is a stat and information that people don't even need to listen to. So if you want to listen to a great, if not whatever, 1,312 games will have been played this season in the NHL. 1,312 over the course of this 82 game. That's a very a nice season. stat. Don't is, undersell okay. it. Okay, good. <laughs> by the way, this is Pucks and Seven. I know everybody knows that. Trying to change it up as we move along here. Uh, Ryan Payton, Victoria Mattyash. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan M. Payton at Victoria Mattyash. And let me do this because you did this last week, of course. So Vic is a fantastic ESPN fantasy, doing it for a long time. She's the best of that and also does some great work for a local news talk station in Toronto. I do some work on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, The Big Show, I guess, uh, Hot Stove on Channel 91. I also cover the Seattle Kraken. They're still in this thing, Vic. Give me stuff to talk about and write about, which is good. Yeah, no, hold on. No, 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 no. Don't shake your head. We're not getting off on a bad foot here. Uh-uh, we're not disagreeing. We'll talk right about away. the Kraken. Okay. Anyway, I do some of that for the hockey writers. So coming up, uh, week to come, Vic's Fantasy 7, Drop the clink hammer. Huge segment, too. We have so many things to drop the clink hammer on. But, of course, let's begin with the week uh, that was. And you know what? We've been doing this. We go east to west. We'll start in the east. And every week, we mention the Boston Bruins for one reason. And the reason is, what did they do? They won more games than they lost. They're adding more points. They're scoring. They're leading the league. They're on pace to get to 62, which would tie the record. They could get to 63, which would set the record. And they just hit 50 wins. So once again, applaud them. It's an amazing season. It is an amazing season. The first uh, team in NHL history to get to 50 points. So that's in one record that's already taken care of. They've already secured a playoff spot. Not that that was ever a real concern. No. I think, since, I like, think they did that early back in November. October. <laughs> yeah, November. <laughs> no, yeah. I know. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't a concern, but it's still neat. Even at this, you know, this stage yeah. in the season, it is March 14th to see the little X there that is already completely taken care of. And what's interesting is They've accomplished this most recently by losing two of three games, which is a first for yeah, it's them. A major this skid. Yeah, they're a major <laughs> skid. Um, not they're not in good shape for the playoffs. <laughs> no, by you know, I know we're laughing, but by their yeah. standards, losing two of three is uh, true uncharacteristic to say the least. Yeah. So a little bit of credit to the Detroit Red Wings over the weekend who lost the first one to the Boston, but then bounced back and won on the Sunday, which I didn't think they had a hope and a heck of doing, yeah. but Detroit needs every win right now. And they did do that. So yeah, we, we we're a little worried about Boston right now. So, yeah, <laughs> the fact that even with the moves they made at the deadline, still, no, they need a lot of help. Uh, so let me ask you this 17 games to go. 
The record 62, 95, 96 wins, 18, 19 Tampa. I think they have a great chance. That's 12 wins in the next 17. They could get 13. I think they can do it. What do you think? So I'm on record oh. at ESPN.com uh-huh. as a member of a roundtable that we posted on Thursday before right. they had lost two games in regulation right. where I predicted the Boston Bruins would finish with 64. So, okay. And I said they would only lose two games in regulation and two games in overtime for the rest of the season. So I've already used up my two losses in regulation. <laughs> yeah, not looking so good. <laughs> not looking you. quite as strong anymore. <laughs> that was a bold prediction. Yeah. And uh, why not? You never know. I suppose you never know, but it's looking a little less now. I do think they have a good shot at 62. I don't know if 64 is possible anymore, but we're going to see. One stat I'll say this. And uh, is this a concern? The way Boston's been playing, no, it's not. But I think it's something to look at, and I'm sure the team is looking at when you get into a seven-game series because you never know what can happen. Um, They've had six power play goals in the last 57 opportunities. Six for the last 57. You think about that. I'm I'm surprised by that. That surprises me. Right. So that's the point of, okay, hold on. There's nothing wrong with the team, but that to me is something that is a – Something they so there is something Boston has to work on, and that, right. and that is their power play. Anyway, and six Swayman, for Jeremy Swayman hasn't looked his finest either the last no. couple of losses. So, but you know what? I think Jim Montgomery's looking at his players right now and go better right now. Better we yeah. flounder a little bit on the power play now, a little bit in net now, and then we're going to be up and ready to go by the time April 14th or 15th or 16th rolls yeah. around. No, I agree. Uh, in that Atlantic, it's tight, especially Vic, between Toronto and Tampa. It is, especially. You know what? I am, I'm really impressed, and this might surprise some listeners, with how the Leafs managed this past week. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Sabres on Monday night, I understand that. But the earlier in the week, it was Tuesday or Wednesday, they faced the New Jersey Devils, one of the hottest teams in the entire league right now. They're, they're just playing super duper. And they had just found out they lost Ryan O'Reilly for weeks. Right. John Tavares was sick. And they still came out and they gutted out a 4-3 win over New Jersey. Super impressed by that. A few days later, they're hosting Connor McDavid for the first time in Toronto in front of fans for quite some time. A lot of brouhaha, a lot of ballyhooing about this one. And they, they smoked them. So they uh, outscored McDavid and company by a substantial margin. Well, they scored seven. And I really, really enjoyed. (laughs) There was a lot of chatter leading up to this one for obvious reasons. Connor McDavid is is in Toronto. It's Hockey Night in Canada. Blah, 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 blah. And John uh, Tavares himself said it's always very exciting to play McDavid. Then they asked Morgan Riley what he thought. He's never played uh, defense against him. <laughs> Exciting isn't what I would say, but he's uh, he's an outstanding uh, talent that's obviously playing at the top of his game, and there is an element of you, you enjoy watching it. And um, as a guy who uh, loves hockey, I like watching the highlights, and um, it's 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 impressive to see. I think that's a great answer. I love it, <laughs> don't you? Because <laughs> there's so much truth to that. You're you're not defending McDavid. You can try to chase him, but you don't have him coming at you 100 miles an hour. You're chasing him because nobody can catch him. So you've got the defense of any team in the NHL looking at 97, thinking, you know what? How can I stop this guy? Uh, anyway, great comment, great comment. Um, but at the same time, just the the amount of respect that he continues to get every single week, every single year that he's in the league is amazing to me. McDavid. Well, what did we just hear from Ekholm after joining yeah, the yeah. Oilers? Thank goodness I don't have to defend Connor McDavid yeah. anymore. And that's he, essentially what Riley is saying as well. 
you know you're good. You know you're great when you go to a team that he's on and think, great, I don't have to play against him. That, <laughs> that's a big sign uh, a for huge me. Speaking compliment. Of, yeah, I wanted to just say this in just quick, but uh, we'll talk about the Mitch Marner, the goals that he scores, but that one against Edmonton. But the core four with Toronto, and who knows if they're all going to be resigned, whatever. That's the topic for completely n- uh, another day and another show. But you look at what Tavares is doing. Nylander's having a great season. Matthews, the scoring's down, but he's still there. And Mitch Marner is the MVP of, of the team. I think the core four collectively, I think they're having the best season to date with all four of them being together. As that, is some of the parts? As is, yes. I agree with you. Yeah. Watching John Tavares play on Saturday night, I don't think he needed to commit the slashing penalty. And I no. think that was a little bit out of character. And but he other admitted than that, that too after. He said, he yeah, did, he I, I got to be better. Yes, I have to be more of a grown-up, I think, is how he <laughs> right. pretty much uh, put it. Yeah. But my, but what I liked about his play, other than the dirty stuff, was he looked completely inspired. He played really inspired hockey, even after being sick that particular week. I know Matthews' numbers, I'm with you, they're not there this season, but yeah. his two-way game, yeah, the is. way that he's playing both both ends of the ice, yeah. is has been, has been, will continue to be a difference maker for the Leafs, and will be the difference maker in the postseason, whether they play Tampa Bay, probably, or for some strange reason, and somebody else. So I agree with you. The sum of the parts for sure collectively and Nylander's been great too. So, and you're right. Marner's been magical this year. He's making things happen when things are looking sour and dour, he's putting, I hate the expression, put the team on, on your back. Ugh, no, I, it's such I, a cliche. I, I hate that too. Yeah, yeah. But he's going out there and he's putting in the individual effort to do something a little bit magical, like that insane goal Ugh. on Saturday when he, you know, committed the takeaway and then dips in front and does it all himself and makes the Oilers look like a peewee team. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, how many times did you rewind that goal? Cause I was about four or five. I'm still, yeah. as I'm talking to you, it's coming back. I know I'm, I'm visualizing <laughs> it in my own mind too. It's just if you haven't seen it, go yeah. on YouTube, whatever. Just go check it out. Marner's goal against Edmonton when he does it all himself. It's just a thing of beauty. The Pittsburgh Penguins are still yes. in this thing. They yes. Are. Well, we have to give them credit. Yes. I know, and you're giving me that look because I I said they were out of it a little. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I still maintain that by the time the dust is completely settled on okay. April 14th or whenever it is, yeah. they will not be in the postseason. Seven However, wins, seven in their last 10. I know seven that. And, they won, and they've had a really good week. And we uh-huh. challenged them in the week we to did. come segment last week in our show. We said they've got these four games coming up against two gimmies well, on paper. Okay, nothing's a gimme. Two, two easier matchups on paper and two tougher matchups on paper. And we said that they needed to win three or four of those games. Yep. They won three or four of those games. And the only one they lost to the Islanders for three was in overtime. So they actually earned seven of eight points this past week, which is exactly what they needed to do. It's impressive. I'm telling you, they're not going quietly. And I want to see as a hockey fan, even if not a fan of the Penguins, I still, I want to see Crosby back in. I want to see Latang back in. I want to see Malkin back in. Why not? Even if you're swept, it doesn't just keep the consecutive playoff streak intact but we'll see i want to ask you then if you had to pick between watching the penguins and the sabers in the postseason who are you picking oh boy buffalo aha (laughs) (laughs) i didn't skirt that i didn't skirt it i can i can go back to what i just said with Pittsburgh. it'd be nice just to see the stars and the hall of famers continue but at the same time to see buffalo and the excitement with that team and how good they are and how fun and young 
I absolutely would love to see them in any series. Any and you're series. not going to get both. So you're going to have to decide between, not that we have any say in it. Besides, gonna, the the but Panthers you know are going to be there anyway. So. Yeah, maybe we do. Because every time we talk about some team, this is what you have to do. They listen. So I think we have a lot of say. I, I think we have more of a say than than you give us credit for. Anyway. It sometimes works out that way. <laughs> yeah, true. There's a nice battle atop the Metro, Carolina, New Jersey, 94 points. We'll get into the standings in just a little bit in the East and the West. And uh, Dawson Mercer's been fantastic. He really has. You know, they say all good things must come to an end, and it did. But at the end of it all, anytime you get a magical run like this and you can continue helping your team, I mean, it's not like the Devils are struggling. They're, they're going to be just fine. But every time you get a chance to do this and he making history and the virtue history, all that type of, it was fun to watch. I know it came to that, but it was fun to watch. I think he's going to be back on track fairly soon too. Sure. I don't think, I know he's gone one game without registering a point in essentially a month. Aren't we talking about a month it's now? about a month, yeah. About, about a, a month. month, okay. Yep. And he's, I mean, his numbers are right up there, if not better with Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer and now Timo Meyer is a member of the Devils. But when you have somebody like that, only their second year, who's making such a statement and fitting in really nicely on that top line, or at least top six line, a top six unit, if you, however you want to say is number one line, number two line, but he's on yep. one of the scoring lines for them. And he's uh, playing fantastic. And I don't think he's getting nearly enough attention. I know Jersey sometimes doesn't when it comes to the production department. We still don't talk about Jack Hughes enough. As far I as think I'm they concerned. rarely get any any type of discussion. Yeah. I just, it, because we're so accustomed to right. over the years yeah. that it's Jersey. They're going to play the trap. It's going to be 2-1. It's going to be 2 nothing, one way or the other. And they're not that team this year. And I think we need to appreciate that. And Dawson Mercer has been a big part of that. Remember how boring the uh, Jacques Lemaire trap? Yes, I do. <laughs> I really do. And I actually think it hurt the game of hockey. I think uh, it actually estranged a lot of fans. It absolutely it did. You and I were still watching. Yep. And I know, and my closest friends who were big hockey fans were still watching. But those on the edge yep. who could take it or leave it were leaving it because yep. it was really boring. I agree. Anyway, we we'll shall see. Uh, one of the big stories too last week, you can take this and then I'll follow up. Um, Chuck Fletcher gone as a GM of the Flyers. I don't think it's a surprising No, move. I don't think so either. Something had to happen with Philadelphia and you can't really, I know you want to, but you can't blame the coach after one season, I don't believe. As much as Ryan loves John no, hold on. <laughs> only he adores him. <laughs> only when he acts like a goof <laughs> is, when I, is when I drop the clink hammer. Anyway, carry on. It, he is polarizing, though, for sure. Yes. And I still don't know the report card at the end of the season, how he did manage different players, because we've just heard story after story about Farabee and about this guy, D'Angelo, and other players who have either responded to him or not. But they're not going to fire him. The contract's too long. they got to give him a shot. So who's going to go? Who's really messed things up the last five years? Yeah. Who has? Uh, it's Chuck Fletcher. It's the general manager. He's no longer the general manager. I guess Danny Briere is interim right now with a good shot at becoming either GM or president of the team because yep. they're going to split the positions now. Yep. So I just, from my perspective, and, I think the issues there are a little bit deeper than just removing one person. And Briere said it, it needs a rebuild. He didn't hold anything back. He said this team needs a rebuild. So a lot well, of they times- they don't GM, have anybody. Ex, right. And you know, yeah, I, I looked up the numbers about Fletcher. So during his time, four years, I think, as GM, I think it was four. So during his time as GM, he made 33 trades- um, gave out more than 90 contracts, more than 90 contracts to the Flyers over that time, which I don't, it's funny when you, when you think about that number, is that a lot? Is it not? Well, just not really, I guess, four years, 90, whatever it is, that's probably what most, most do. But the amount of money he's given a certain plot, Travis Konecti, 
I'm not saying that these players don't deserve it, but six years, 33. Provorov, four years at 6.75 AAV. And then he had the James Van Riemsdyk thing that it looked like he was going to be traded to Detroit, but there was a big part of the contract that probably Detroit didn't want to do or Philly didn't want to retain, all that stuff. And then that was closed down. So I think that everything was in place for him to be let go. It was expedited before the deadline, on the deadline, and right when the deadline was done, the Flyers thought, you know what? This is not going anywhere. We've got. I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming him. There's a lot of money that he gave out, and there's been some pieces in place. Things haven't worked out with certain players. Nolan Patrick, for example, didn't work out. That was a mess, and that's no fault of anyone's. It just happens sometimes in hockey. But uh, yeah, they totally need a rebuild. That's kind of where I'm getting with that. Well, I mean, you don't know how is Sean Couturier ever going to play in the NHL right. again? What's and that's going a huge on with contract. Cam Atkinson? Their two yeah. top players couldn't play this year. For and it's really sad and depressing. Actually, nobody wants to see that. We want to see Sean Couturier. We want to see Cam Atkinson compete for the Flyers. They're a different team. But I'll tell you what: not moving JVR for anything, a yeah. bag of pucks, man, a folding chair. You something. needed something back yeah. at the deadline because now he's going. He's just off. It's all done and over yeah. with, and you got absolutely nothing. Kevin Hayes would have been a good move too, and I understand that was very complicated. And there's a lot more pieces in that particular potential trade than in others but you had to make one or the other and i think that expedited the process as you just said i do like the fact they're doing this now they can give danny barrier time to get ready for the draft get ready to make moves in the offseason yep. because flyers aren't making aren't making the playoffs they're not even close to it so they no. don't have to worry about that they can experiment with the, some of the younger players right now i really like the way they're playing owen Tippett. really like yeah. that a lot great upside so, Oh, so like give these kids an audition and then figure out what you need. Figure out if Carter Hart's the guy. I still think he is. I do and, too. And move forward from there. I do too. Katuria, eight-year deal, 62. What about Farabee? Six years at 30. He has nine goals in 65 games since he kicked in ahead of this season. Him and Torts but, need to go on vacation together. And they, they need to sort their stuff out. because I need to go on vacation <laughs> with him and sort my stuff out with Torts. <laughs> That's what I need to do. The three of you. The three but of us, those, yeah. two, those two need to figure it out and how to work together because right now it's not. Yeah, I will report. Okay, so going into Tuesday, if you look at the standings in the Metro, very tight. Carolina, Jersey tied atop with 94 points. Canes have one game in hand. The Rangers, 84. So as of right now, it's a 1-2 race between the Canes and the Devils. In the Atlantic, Boston wrapped this thing up back in October. Uh, Toronto <laughs> and Tampa separated by four points. Tampa has, uh, Toronto was a game in hand. And then you have the Penguins and the Islanders, 78-76 points in that one-two spot in the wild card. And if you look at the Western Conference as well, the West, we're going to get to that in a sec. You want to jump in? Go ahead. No, I was just you didn't mention Florida. Tell me where Florida is. I'm not going to talk about everyone Florida. where Florida is. Okay, Florida is third in the wild card, three points back of the Islanders, and they have a game in hand. I'm just going to bring up one last time. No, it's of course not one last time. I'm going to bring it up many more times Uh that um, many people called me many different names, insulting my intelligence back earlier in the winter when I said Florida had a shot at securing a playoff spot. So I'm just going to point out that they are still in the mix. That's all. That's all I'm saying. And with that, we take a break. (laughs) We'll come back on Pucks and Seven. We'll go west looking at the week that was. Ryan Payne, Victoria Matiash. We'll be back. Welcome back to Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Madiash. 
This is Pucks and Seven. That is Ryan Payton, and I'm Victoria Mattyash, and we're still looking at the week that was, Ryan. We did the uh, we looked at the Eastern Conference in our first segment, and now we're going to have a look at the Western Conference, what happened in this past week. And you know who had one of the weirdest, which team had one of the weirdest, strangest weeks to me? were the Winnipeg Jets. Started out really sour yep. because this is a team that's just been tumbling and stumbling lately. A team that we were discussing only a few weeks ago, cream of the crop in the West, or at least up there with some other teams. They're going to make the playoffs no problem. There's no issues here. Everything is tickety-boo. And then all of a sudden, they're losing more games than they're winning. And they started off that week as well. They lost a couple in a row. And then they went to Florida. I guess the sunshine helps extra citrus, orange juice it, in the morning. It always does. Something, something, especially if you're coming from Winnipeg right. in March. Anything is, and you know, sorry, with all due respect, any place you go coming from Winnipeg will help you. Carry well, on. it's going to be warmer and you're going to see more sunshine. Right. And that's yeah. all we're going to say on that front. But yeah. they won too. They beat not only the Florida Panthers, but they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. So... 5-4 in overtime, that was a one-goal game that they beat the Panthers. Then they beat Tampa 3-2. I think these one-goal games, if, number one, if you come out of a game, say, against Tampa where you win 4-1, to that's fine. It's different. But I just think for them, they need to build on the fact that these were tight games against two good teams. Tampa, obviously, a bit better than Florida right now. But the fact is they were, they, they were able to get that extra point, uh, especially in the game against the Panthers. You go back to the ones before that, one of them against San Jose, they lost 3-2 in overtime. They should not have, anyway, if that's a point that could come back to haunt them, all that type of stuff, whatever. And then they have those high-scoring games, 21 goals combined between Edmonton and Winnipeg on back-to-back -back nights. They lose 6-3, then they win 7-5. So it just makes no sense. That specifically to me was an odd one. You lose 6-3, come back the next night, then you score 7, give up 5 but you're able to find a way to win. So I'm with you with that. It's a strange week. And let me let me throw these numbers at you too. The whole Winnipeg thing is up and down. This is a concern. I mentioned that Boston, no, they finally have a concern. They have to deal with the power play, which is probably going to go on a 90% heater now that I said this. But Kyle Connor, three goals in the last 19. Blake Wheeler, none in 13. Ehlers, two in 18. Um, so it, that to me is okay. Three big reasons why your team is not being consistent in the win column. Those are three of your big guns and they're not playing consistent hockey. And then you have your biggest gun really back in the net, Connor yeah, Hellebuck. This is yeah. somebody that you're considering, you think is going to be in the conversation for the Vesna every year and should yeah. be just based on his raw talent and skill alone. And he hasn't. I know it's not just on him. The defense in front of him hasn't been as good either. I'm, my eyes tell me that when I'm watching them play. Yeah. But Connor Hellebuck hasn't stolen any from, for them. He hasn't been the best player on the ice at all lately for that side. And that's just not his makeup. So I'm a little... I don't know right now what to make of the Winnipeg so, Jets. So here's the thing then with that, with what I agree with what you said, but there's so much pressure on goaltenders. So if Hellebuck has not been to your point, he has not been the Hellebuck that he's been off and on throughout the season, the Vesna trophy uh, candidate, all that in that discussion. So then if that's the case, then the guys I talked about, Connor and Wheeler and Ehlers and, and Shifley, then fine. If your goalie's not, taking you to wins, then you find a way to figure it out. That that happens in hockey all the time because I, I don't blame anything on Connor Hellebuck. I don't think the Jets would even be in this spot. They wouldn't be sniffing the postseason if it wasn't for the year that Hellebuck's had. I don't Absolutely. So. Well, you, Dave, what as opposed to playing David Riddick every night? Like I Who? mean, uh, yeah. Who? big Sorry. save, big Dave. save, Dave. Come on, really? <laughs> 
if, if, if you make a big save every time you're out, then you can get the nickname Big Save Dave. That's I just think I'm the saying. nickname is awesome. That's all. I don't I think know. he deserves it. I no, just like true. it. No, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, so let's. They've got a tough one coming up. We're gonna yeah. do. We're gonna look at Winnipeg in the week to come. But um, uh, I don't know. They're they're not punching their ticket yet to the postseason. I'll tell you that much. Now, uh, interesting week from a uh, goaltender from a non-contending team with the Ducks. And it's not often we're going to be talking about the Ducks leading into the postseason because why? But John Gibson actually broke a record this yep. past week and you have mixed feelings about it and I want you to tell me why. Well, the biggest thing is is I think John Gibson needs to get out of Anaheim and he should have been out of Anaheim a long time ago. Every time the trade deadline passes and he's still with the Anaheim Ducks, it just boggles my mind. For the biggest reason is that he is a really good goaltender. You put him behind a really good team, his numbers, he would win the Vesna. I'm telling you, he'd be up there with the three candidates at the end to win the Vesna. Every year this happens, I always think, why the heck can't they pull the deal? Now, whether he wants loves it there, fine. I'm sure a lot of people do in California totally get it. But his the amount the amount of shots that he's faced. So the whole the whole record that you're talking about. Yeah, we should mention it. Yeah, is the and, and this is the one. Do, do you is it one you want to have or is it one you don't want to have because it's really telling about how many pucks and how little support you've had over the time you've been there. Anyway, so he is now the all time saves leader in team history with 11,837. He surpasses Guy Hebert. I remember him like it was yesterday. His mark of 11,813. So, I don't know. I'm trying not to laugh because it's hard because it's one of those things where it came out, John Gibson sets the record for most saves. Okay, it's too bad though you are at the top of that list just because it tells me a lot about the team in front of you. So, well, it speaks to his longevity. It's right? true. And it it's speaks true. to the fact that he's played so much. He's been relied upon so much by that team. So it, that's the positive aspect of it for sure. It actually reminds me a little bit. You hear about it more in the NBA and some other teams that, you know, this, this is now the winningest coach in the right. league, right. but they also have the most losses because <laughs> right. they've just been there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. play, they, they've coached so yeah. many teams. So it's almost like we're speaking more to John Gibson's, uh, endurance and longevity and him just serving as a workhorse for this franchise. That's why he has the most saves because I'd like to see how many goals is, is he up there with goals allowed as well? Because that would right. be right. the flip side of that coin. He's absolutely so, up there with shots faced. Like, like I absolutely, he'd have to be, you have to be. And you know that he's still tied in through 26, 27 at 6.4. So he has four more full seasons, modified, no trade at 6.4. It just, I, I just, does he, finish? Get some- does he finish in Anaheim? Does he no. finish the contract in Anaheim? No, no he does not? Okay. Absolutely not. He should have been gone three years ago. I guarantee you, we are going to be doing this next season. I know we are. And at the deadline, if he is not traded, mark this down, I'm going to have the whole drop the clink hammer segment on John Gibson and why the Ducks have not traded him. Looking forward to it. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, hot teams, Minnesota. Incredible uh, points in 13 straight games. All of a sudden, they're in with Dallas atop that division in the central, and that's going to be a nice battle. What's in two things about this? Number one, a lot of teams go on these runs. And you and I talked about this probably month, two months ago kind of thing. We were thinking, when's Minnesota? Minnesota is one of these teams that we're waiting on. We know the talent's there. We know Flurry has been inconsistent. They have the talent, so finally, they, they, finally they're showing us that this team is very good. Two things, you can talk about Kirill Kaprizov in a second because that's a concern. But you look at 
what they've done in the win column and how they vaulted up the standing since the 1st of March, the team's save percentage, you know what the team's save percentage is? 970. Oh, that's bananas. Nine, I was, was going to say 947, 948. 970. That is absolutely off the charts. You think about that. 970 since March the 1st, we're two weeks in. And it hasn't all been Philip Gustafson, who has no. been essentially the hottest goaltender. But right. whenever they rolled out Marc-Andre Fleury, he's done his job as well. The goaltending has been chef's kiss superb, yeah. for sure. The defense has also played very well. They won a lot of these games, not all of them, but they won a lot of these games by low-scoring um, totals, 2-1, 3-2, 2-0, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So, But we we have to address the elephant in the room, losing Kirill oh. Kaprizov. For essentially, it's is it the rest of the season? It is, isn't it? It Not is. Not the playoffs, but yeah. essentially the rest of the essentially season. Essentially the rest, yes. And if you look at the statistics on that team, it's him and then it's everybody else. I know. So yeah. he gets the scoring done and then there's a little bit of support. So yeah. now what they need to concentrate on, they need to look to other players like Zuccarello and Freddie Goudreau and Ryan Hartman and all these other players need to step up and figure out how to do it without somebody who would be considered an MVP candidate in this yeah. league because they need, they're in good shape to get into the postseason. They probably only need to play 500 hockey. The mm -hmm. goaltending continues to stand on its head the way it has. The defense continues to play as staunchly as they have. They should yeah. be okay, but they still need to put the puck in the net. You yep. got to score goals. And without him, I'm wondering, Eric Snack, Matt Boldy, somebody's got to do it. And, and as good as the team's been, they rank 25th in the league out of 32 with 179 goals scored. 25th. So they're not scoring. Yet for some reason, they get points in 13 straight games. And according to the timeline, you wanted to know kind of, is it the rest of the season? If it's three weeks, he'll be back the 1st of April against Vegas. If it's four, he'll be back against the Blues on the 8th of April. So then there's a week after that till the end of the season. And then depending upon where Minnesota, so it, he could be fine. He should get a warm up then. Yeah. And that's essential. You hate it when you have to drop somebody into game two in a playoff series. Yeah, At yeah. least he's going to get two or three to get back into his groove. They get reacquainted with his line mates, even though I don't think that's a big problem for somebody with his skill. Right. But uh, that's good. That's good for the wild that they're going to be in that position. So but in the meanwhile, you got to coast and everybody else has to step it up. You know, you said, you said, in the meanwhile, I thought you said, in the meanwhile. Get oh, it? in the meanwhile. It just would, I mean, it's kind of a... It almost works. No. <laughs> almost. Not really, no. Um, I'll tell you what is working, Dallas, putting the puck oh, in the net, huh? Henrietta. <laughs> Are they scoring or yeah. what? Yeah. Watching Jealous. the game, was it against the Sabres last week? Mm-hmm, 10. Kept, I wasn't watching the game, and I kept on checking the my app, and I'm like, what? Yeah. Oh, another one. Oh, another Oh, there's two more. Yeah. Oh, 10, <laughs> four, 10, four, all on one net mind. I know. I know. <laughs> we can maybe talk about that at some point too. Cause that's, that's a discussion that's happened over the years. Of course, the infamous Patrick Waugh thing way back when, when he was lit up by Detroit and then last game I've ever played for Montreal, then he was traded to Colorado. Good on him. Probably the best move he ever made. But anyway, just about keeping goalies in to just face it. Until the 60-minute mark, and then you're done, whatever. But you look at what they've done in the wins, 4, 5, 7, 5, 10, 4, and 5. And they lost to Calgary. They scored 4 in that one. They lost to Vancouver. They scored 4 in that one. So it's even in the losses the team is scoring. Well, it's that's, amazing. And 
they're responding to the criticism from earlier in the season when everybody called them a one-line show, right. right? So other than Hintz and Pavelski and Robertson, that top line has always been productive. They've been productive. They were productive last year. They've been productive for a long time. And I mean, like extra super uber productive but yeah. nobody else was really kicking in and now other t- other players on that team like the don't uh max domi i always want to say tie every single time i have to check i think myself. a lot of people still do <sighs> because max is a mini tie so it's okay <sighs> every single i'm gonna say tie domi it's the same nylander i say michael nylander too sometimes <laughs> i write it in i write it in my columns and i'm like that's not right i'm like oh so what i'm gonna do then I, i'm gonna write down like hold up a sheet of paper i'll have max domi before you start talking <laughs> this is max <laughs> max domi has been a nice addition yes. to the dallas Club stars he's kicking stuff in i really like mason marchment yep. he's uh he's playing really well he's a good young asset that's coming up for that team i like the john klingberg at, um acquisition at the trade deadline as well but they are they're all contributing now their goaltenders don't have to be spectacular which they frankly have not been and they're still winning hockey games and right now i don't see who unseats them in that division because i suppose maybe minnesota but maybe but i don't know um it yeah right now without kirill that's all i'm gonna say i'd say right now if dallas continues even playing above 500, scoring whatever, I don't see Minnesota getting past Dallas. I really don't. And look at the amount of goals, too, that they've scored. It's just, um, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, Vancouver. Want to talk about <laughs> Vancouver? Yeah, I do. Uh, such a mess all season. All we've done is talked about what a mess Vancouver is. And now they're in, finally in the position to, and I don't believe in tanking for high draft picks. You and I have discussed this ad nauseum in the past. Right. Just the odds of you getting the number one draft pick for one particular player is still yep. one in four. It's not worth yep. it, et cetera, et cetera. But Vancouver, really? Now they're they're on a huge heater. They won four <laughs> in a row. <laughs> and and it sounds, the vibes coming out of uh, that arena yep. Yep. are just so much more pleasant. They're buying in to talk its thing. So, or so that's the story. Everybody's buying in again. And this is what, Thatcher Demko, who's back with the team as well, which is very nice to see, had to say about their recent run of success. Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, like I said, that's just that's playing the right way, and I think you guys can see it. We can definitely feel it in the room. I think there's a, a buy-in that's going on right now. That's great. Um, you know, when a, a few guys do it, and then a few more, and then you know, you get the whole team playing like that for 60 minutes. We've we've seen this before whether it's with Vancouver or whether it's with some bottom feeding teams over the course of the season where a lot of garbage is there and not a lot of things go right. All of a sudden in the last month or whatever, they play very well. They play decent. So then it gives the fan base hope. So then you go into the off season and think, Oh, Hey, we won. I don't know. Let's just throw it out the number uh, 12 of the last 17 games, whatever it is down the stretch. Maybe we don't need to tinker as much with this team in the off season. I'm sorry, Vancouver. Yes, you do. It doesn't matter if you win the rest of your games. And good on you for playing well. Totally fine. But I'll say this, though. Two of the wins. A shootout win against Nashville, 4-3. An OT win against Anaheim. Um, boy, what a what a barn burner of a game that was, eh? Anaheim-Vancouver, last Wednesday. Must-see TV. No. But the point is, is that, yeah, I mean, they're winning, which is fine. To me, the biggest part about that I'm taking away from this and the Demko comment as well is that just kind of mentally get a little bit better before the end of the season, going into the off season. It's been a mess all year. Take whatever you want from it. You're not going anywhere this season. Revisit all the things you have to do, which you didn't do before the deadline and try to figure it out before you get on the ice in October. 
twofold. Management has to be mature about this. Uh-huh. They can't be, as you just mentioned, they can't be fooled by a little oh, bit of on. success when it doesn't matter anymore. If they're Players fooled, they should get better. fired. They all should get fired if they're fooled by this. I agree with you. Players are always better when they're loose. And there's absolutely no pressure at all on this Canucks team. They can do no. whatever they want. And so they're having some fun right now. And that's fantastic. So management still has, they got to figure out what they're doing with JT Miller. They got to figure out what they're doing with Brock Besser. And they just can't coast on either one of those players. And they have to make improvements otherwise as well. I will say this, winning is a habit. And you do want to finish the season on the upswing. Yeah, I agree. And I agree. bring in a little bit of that winning culture that I Demko agree. is referring to. So then you can get excited about going to training camp months from now. Yeah. You don't have that taste in your mouth. Yeah. And you can start fresh anew and hopefully enjoy more success next season than they just did. I agree. And, you know, at the end of each year, there's probably a book or whatever, the, the season summary. Can't wait, can't wait to read this book that Vancouver has been writing all season. They have had every single thing happen to that team. Some good, a lot bad. Uh, the standings going into Tuesday. We mentioned Dallas, Minnesota separated by three points. Both have 67 uh, games in the books. The Avalanche, two games in hand. They're at 80 points. That's one, two, three in the central. Pacific, boy, that's tight. Vegas, LA, and sorry, Vic, let me just look here. Oh, Seattle. Oh, yeah, Seattle in third in that. Or do you want to you seem like you're tongue-tied with something? <laughs> see, let's, see, let's, let's talk in a couple of weeks. Okay, fine. I don't like how they're playing right now, Ryan. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't either. I don't either. I don't either. They lost three in a row. Anyway, 81 points in third and the wild card, Edmonton, Winnipeg at 80 and 79 points. And then, so basically, uh, from St. Louis down, they're done. Calgary, Nashville, you still have a shot. Six points back of Winnipeg. A lot of track to go down, of course, but... That's the way the Western Conference standings look going into Tuesday. We'll take a break. Deep breath, because we're going to drop the clink hammer next. Daryl Sutter, D'Angelo, Ottawa, Predators, a whole bunch more. Pucks and Seven, Ryan Payton, Victoria Maniash. We'll be back. Welcome back to Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Maniash. Time now to drop the clink hammer. All right, so usually when we get to the, the third segment, uh, one of two things happen. We either focus on dropping the clink hammer when we constructively criticize whoever, whatever, in and around the NHL, or we say yes and no um, to what we think may happen. We did so at the trade deadline, for example. Bohan yes, Bohan knows, but we're not going to do that. We're going to drop the clink hammer. And this one's different, right, Vic? Sometimes we, you know, we, we drop in maybe three topics, but we have a few more to get to, right? So we're going to be dropping the clink hammer briefly, but frequently. So we're right. picking it back up and dropping it again. Because <laughs> we do workout. actually have, uh, we have yeah. quite a few, uh, we have quite a few items to get through here. Let's start with you because I know this is the B in your bonnet perpetually. Mm-hmm. Daryl Sutter, what did he do this week, Ryan? Didn't I say, <laughs> didn't I say to you last week? I think I said you could be the week before. I can't recall. It's been a long week. But I said something like, sometimes when we look at the lineup and think about what to do and what to say and, or, or what to talk about, I, I can't find anything that I really want to go off on. But then I think about Calgary or Philly and Daryl Sutter or John Tortorella. And then I think, oh, yeah, that's right. I do have something to talk about. But this is legit. Not that all my other rants haven't been legit. But this is legit. This is another reason why Daryl Sutter will not be back coaching the Calgary Flames next season. Let me read off these statistics 
of Jonathan Huberdeau last season with the Florida Panthers. You're laughing and your I know, mic's... Because you're totally right. You're totally I know, right. Your I mic's guess. rocking and the computer screen's rocking. That's that's how much you're giggling. So last season, 80 games, 30 goals, 85 assists. But that was pretty... That was outlying, right? So 85 assists. <laughs> 115 points. Can you just let me finish before you take it all away? Okay. He played on the wing. He played on the left side. Daryl Sutter has decided not to play this guy on the left side. So he all of a sudden changed that and started to play him on the left side. And I'll say, paraphrasing in part what Huberto said, he said, basically, yeah, I feel more comfortable on the left side. And then the other, him and Kadri were playing, and they put a good game in together. And when Kadri and Huberto play well, I don't know what the stat is, but it's something ridiculous. I'll look it up when you're talking about something else. But when they score, or when they get on the score sheet together, Calgary is a very good team. Anyway, so Daryl Sutter all of a sudden decided, okay, let's put him back on the left side and see how that goes. Do you know what he also said, too? And I, I, in doing my research on this, I looked back at a comment he said in January when a reporter asked him, what, what, what do you think is wrong with Huberto? He's, he's in a bit of a rut. Daryl Sutter was quoted as saying, maybe I should tell him to shoot more then. That's what he, come on. First of all, John the Huberto, it, to me, is one, well, yeah, still one of the most underrated players in the game. I think he's been that way from the get-go, and I still believe that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Put him on the left side. Find somebody. Find two to allow him to play in the left side. You would take 85 assists. I know it was last season. Totally get it. But you can take 85. You need to put somebody who is that skilled at a position that they're most comfortable. Because if you don't put them at a position where they're most comfortable, you're not going to get out of them what you hope that you could get out of them and what you should. Shame on Daryl Sutter. I don't know what happened to make him go to the left side, but give me a break. I could have said, I could have said this months ago. Months ago, you know what? I think you should put him to his comfortable side and you may see results. Daryl Sutter, just another. I've got a full page yes. of all this stuff. Come on, Vic. S-T-U-B-B-O-R-N. <laughs> That's all it is. It's He's stubborn. He doesn't <sighs> care if he's making his wingers miserable. If he has an idea in his head, the winger, the skater, the hockey player has to adapt to him, to his scheme. He sees something. He doesn't understand why it's not working out. He's old school, and that's why he's not going to be coaching very much longer in this league. I agree with you on that. I don't he know if he's said, gone next year or not. but Last one. He also said after the game against Ottawa, when they won 5-1, Kadri had two points. He had two points. He said, I don't think it makes much difference what position he plays. It's more about the that. whole game for him. It's, of course he's going to say that. He has Give me to a say break. that. It's Go Daryl Sutter. All right. Hopefully he just keeps Huberto in the position within where he's most comfortable for Flames yeah. fans going forward because they actually might have a shot at securing a playoff spot because otherwise they do not. I'm going to be a little briefer than you. <laughs> Sorry. You know That's what? Okay. I looked at it's the right. clock and I thought, I've got to be quiet. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tony D'Angelo, not my favorite player in the NHL altogether, but that's nor here nor there. He was suspended two games this past season for intentionally taking his stick, weaponizing it, jamming it between Corey Perry's legs, um, basically right in the family jewels yeah. on purpose, did not pretend that's not what he wasn't trying to do, admitted, uh, he actually admitted to mm -hmm. trying to do that. He said, I wasn't necessarily targeting that particular area, which is a big pile of BS. What else are you going for there? 
So and he right. only and he gets he gets suspended <laughs> for two games despite having a reputation within his own organizations and league wide for being a little bit of a son of a gun. Or maybe a little bit more than just a little bit of a son of a gun. Yeah, I'd say you're being very generous with that. Anyway. Well, kids are listening. Okay. And this is a couple of weeks after Keandre Miller got suspended three games yep. for spitting accidentally, according to him, and we believe him, yep. in Drew Doughty's face. And Drew Doughty was like, cool, bro, we're all right, because yep. I know you didn't really mean it either. Yep. So three games for spit, but weaponizing your stick which is one of the most dangerous things you can do in this game. You are responsible for your stick. You have to be careful with it and you cannot use it as a weapon, but he did exactly that. And he got two games. So I don't understand. That's all I'm going to say. I don't understand how that suspension came about. I don't understand the disciplinary committee coming up with the two games. We're just going to leave it at that. Next. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. No, I really I know, don't understand I it And at we all. could go on and on and on, but, but we won't. Um, the sense you wanted to kind of address that. So we'll, we'll, uh, Brady Kachuk said this, and again, Ottawa has been a, a nice story the last month or so, because I'm not going to say they're there yet. They're not there yet, but, but they're trending in that direction. And Brady Kachuk is a massive part of this, whether he is on the ice or off the ice, he's like a recruiter to that team and that franchise. And we know about the ownership and all that type of stuff coming up down the road. So he's been a huge part of that. So they're fizzling. They're not playing as well. Brady Kachuk came out after one of the games recently and basically said, look, it's all on us. We can't do this to our goalie. I told him that um, no, throughout the game, it's none of this is your fault. Like We just completely screwed you. Um, right from the start, we weren't the way we played. It's... Um, we completely left them out to dry, and that's just never what we want to do as a team. Is you know those goalies, um, you know, all the goalies we have who've you know, stood on their heads, made the big saves, and and stole us games throughout this whole year. Um, it's honestly unacceptable that we just leave them out to dry like that. So that was following a five nothing blanking at the hands of the Blackhawks in Chicago. And yeah. if you're in contention, you're fighting for a playoff spot. You cannot lose. No excuse. Five nothing to the Chicago Blackhawks and they were on such a heater ahead of the last four games and they've really fizzled out. They beat the Kraken. That's great. But then they lost to the Canucks. They lost to the flames. And again, the aforementioned loss to the Blackhawks. That's three or four. You can't squander those points. I do, however, really like the way that Brady Kachuk is speaking about taking responsibility for his own play, about calling out his entire team, but not making mention of anybody by name. That's a good leadership of uh, protecting his goaltender who was unfairly criticized after the five, nothing, lost to Chicago. I just think he's going to be a great captain for this team for years and years and years to come. And he's going to be one of the reasons they are in a postseason position. The senators, this is that is next season. They won't make it this year. No. That's okay. And also adding Jake, Jacob Chikrin, who is not just a one season guy. He's there for a couple more years. That's going to be instrumental as well. I'll get into what I want to address specifically, uh, the GM meetings and addressing fights after clean hints, which I can go off on, but uh, the Preds as well. You wanted to touch a bit on the Preds. Just as we brought up earlier, we complimented the Penguins earlier as we we challenged them last week. They had this four-game set coming up within the week, and they had to win three or four of them. The Predators were in similar position, except they were playing weaker teams, and they just didn't, didn't play well enough. I'm starting to look at this team. I don't understand what is going on with Philip Forsberg. I don't understand why they're not explaining to us what's right. going on with yeah, Philip that's Forsberg. Some, yeah, they're being so secretive with that. 
And I wonder how that's affecting the makeup of the team otherwise, if they don't understand if their best player is coming back game to game to game. He was supposed to be back a couple of weeks ago, as far as I'm concerned. We still don't know where he is. They've had an awful week, not tragic, but not good. They really had to make some hay this past week. They did not. And now I'm wondering if we're not going to be talking about them as contenders anymore. I'm with you. And the Forsberg thing, like kind of with Kaprizov, you know, Minnesota needs him. Forsberg is so key to Nashville. But even despite all this, even despite that, they're they're still one of the teams in they're on the outside looking in, but they haven't completely lost that playoff spot, at least as of yet, even though they're not in one. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the GM meetings. And I'm really glad that they're doing this. And this has been this has been bugging me for so long. So part of the Discussion points with the GM meetings. One of them is to potentially review fights after what they deem on the ice, and it does still exist, clean hits. We've seen clean hits this season. I remember one time we did this pod, and there were two hits in the game. I believe it was against Calgary, and it was the Rangers, and it was Jacob Truba, and one of the ones is when he knocked down Nazem Kadri. Kadri got up. He was fine, went to the bench after the game, said, totally clean hit, great. I got up, I got to respect it, off you go. But then I think Dylan Dubé went after Truba because, oh my goodness, God forbid there's somebody lying on the ice, even though he's fine and he gets up, puts his helmet, whatever, he can skate off but by his own will and, and everything's fine. One of the biggest things that's bugged me about this is that that takes away from a clean hit. We don't see many clean hits in the NHL. And one of the reasons why we don't get to, it's going to come out, no, it's not going to come out, I'm just going to say it. We don't get to appreciate hits. I appreciate the clean hit in the game. I don't think everyone still needs to appreciate a clean hit in the game because the NHL, as much as people may not like fighting or these dirty hits, which we don't, hitting is part of the game of hockey. It always has been. It always will be. You don't see a ton of these anymore. But if there's a clean hit, leave it alone. And whoever goes after that individual who delivers that clean hit, I think that they should absolutely be put in the penalty box because Truba, you know, he got in a fight. Dubé got in a fight. So they both went. But Trouba didn't need to. He didn't do anything wrong. So I really do applaud. Maybe I'm not dropping the clink camera on this, but I'm, I'm applauding the NHL for looking into this, but dropping it on the fact that this has taken so long that something needs to be put in place to respect and enjoy the clean hit because it does exist in the NHL. And if this means that, that, doesn't, that you get to do that more by punishing those that fight afterward, so be it. I have some numbers for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Do I need to write these down? Uh, if you like, 100 <laughs> of the 271 fights this season are af- defending a teammate after a hit. Okay. So okay. 100 of 271, not quite half, but more than a third. Of those 100 fights that are defending a teammate who was hit, 89 were determined to come after a clean hit. 89 of 100. Do you know how many instigator penalties were called because that's what you want to do you want to give Dylan Dubé the instigator yeah right 21 come on Mm -hmm. okay so it's a problem you're punishing you're punishing Jacob Truba Truba and other players in this position for making a good play you're allowing somebody else to pound the stuffing out of him yep for no justifiable reason now Dylan Dubé wants to jump in sure and I'm making air quotes here defend Nazem Kadri because he was a victim of a clean hit that's Dylan Dubé's problem he gets the instigator and then his team suffers. Yeah, easy. And that's the way it has to be done. Those stats are unbelievable. I thought so too. My goodness. And that just goes to back up everything that we just said. So good on the GMs. Good on them for that. Because you know what? You got to appreciate the clean hits. And for those that deliver the clean hits, good on you for knowing what's a clean hit. 
because they're still nice to see. Just don't want anyone to get hurt. That, of course, is the bottom line in all this. Okay, that was good. We covered a lot in uh, the <laughs> clink hammer, I think. Sorry it took so long with the Sutter. I just, uh, he just really heats me up. Okay, week to come is next. Vix Fantasy 7 as well. Continuing Pucks and 7, Ryan Payne, Victoria, Matty Ash will be... Welcome back to Pucks and 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Madiash. All right, so we continue on Pucks in 7. Ryan Payton, Victoria Madiash. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Payton at Victoria Madiash. And also catch us wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on the SiriusXM app. Make sure you Google us as well. I'm looking back uh, again. Beginning of the show, we talked about it being basically a month till the end of the regular season. So April 13th, whatever it is, today is March 14th. So we have about a month to go, pretty much a month to go, until most of the teams, I believe, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, something like that with the games. Let's look ahead to the week to come. And uh, what we started to do, too, with this um, segment is that we take a couple of teams that we think, okay, this is maybe a bigger week than some other teams for this team specifically. I looked at where Buffalo ended last season, Vic, before you can dive into the Buffalo in their week to come. They had 75 points in 82 games, which for Buffalo, and I remember they started off really well, I think that was a pretty decent season. They're at 71 points in 66. So you know that they're going to certainly surpass that total of 75 from a year ago through the 82 games. But if they want to really make a huge push here to try to get into this playoff race, this is a massive week. It is a big win for them on Monday night against the Maple Leafs. I think they should just, they're going to roll out Craig Anderson until he's 85 years old. Playing oh, the I know they are. There's yeah. nothing. That guy just loves playing and beating the Leafs so badly. I'm not even ever surprised anymore. No matter where the two teams are, are, nope. are in the standings, <laughs> Sabres are going to meet beat Toronto if Craig Anderson is in net. I digress. The rest of this week, Sabres still have three games to go. They've got the Washington Capitals. They've got the Philadelphia Flyers. That has to be must win for them. And they're playing the Boston Bruins. Yep. They've looked a little bit better against the Boston Bruins and other teams in the NHL have, but you need two of three. The Sabres, if they want to remain in the mix, they do have a couple of games in hand on the Islanders who they are chasing along with Pittsburgh. If they want to remain in the mix, they need to win two of those three, even five points and six, maybe losing overtime to Boston, what have you, but it's a huge week for the Sabres. Also big week too for the Avalanche and they're, they play, they were on this run, not saying they're not in a run now, but they're not on the run that they were a little while ago and getting into that division, Colorado sitting at 80 points going into tonight. So they're four back in Minnesota, eight points back of Dallas. All the games this week for the Avalanche are on the road. Top one in Toronto coming up on Wednesday. They just beat Montreal 8-4. No surprise. Uh, It's Montreal with all due respect. Then they have Ottawa the next night in Ottawa. And then they wrap up the road trip in Detroit coming up on Saturday. So I'm going to say this. Out of those three games, obviously statistically, and where these three teams they're facing are in the standings, Toronto's going to be the tougher game. And Detroit, not those aren't gimmies. Those aren't gimme games. The way Ottawa's playing, I know that sometimes they've laid eggs recently and we heard the, the Brady-Kachuk thing, etc. And Detroit also. But this is also a key stretch for them because Minnesota's hurting with Kaprizov. Dallas is scoring. I don't see them slowing down. So if the Avalanche want to keep pace and not fall into any discussion of a wild card, I think these six points ahead of them are huge. And again, as you said, they're all on the road. 
Uh, big problem they have as well. Arturi Lekkonen is out four to six weeks with a busted right. finger. And he's right. been a huge contributor to their top six. They've had to shuffle bodies in and out all season. Hopefully they're able to do it again. But it's going to be a big test. They're going to be tired too. I will say this. Nathan McKinnon loves traveling to this part of North America. Yeah, I think does. maybe it's just closer <laughs> to the home, the homeland. Out he's going to put on a show. He will put he on a show. He loves uh, playing in Toronto. He, yeah, does. he does. And he always plays really well. So that's going to be an entertaining affair. And we'll see how they make out on the three-game road trip. He's, he's like McDavid. Loves to play in Toronto. McDavid's always so happy about playing in Toronto. And he just lets everybody know how much he's looking forward to play. No, I'm just kidding. You're being facetious. Um, yeah, we don't need to talk about Wednesday. We talked Sabres cap. So again, Capitals 2, they're done. Um, you look at Thursday, and we've mentioned the Penguins. The Rangers, of course, still there, 84 points. So it's basically, as we talked about already, Carolina at New Jersey, 1-2, tied with 94 points atop the Metro. And then you have the Rangers with the 84. So if the Penguins, 7-2-1 and one, in the last 10 games, that's a big one as well. And to me, it's not so much that the Penguins need to think, okay, we have to get this win to, to track down these teams. They just need to focus in on the two points. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it makes people are probably thinking, well, of course they do. But if you, there's so many different things that happen, you know, for people going into certain games. Oh, there's two two teams playing behind us; they're one point back. Oh, what about the team in front? We're two. No, just get those two points, and it'll be another big. Every game down the stretch for Pittsburgh is this is a big one coming up on Absolutely. Thursday. And it's interesting to watch the Rangers as well because they got their they had their two or secured their two big acquisitions at the trade deadline. Yep. Tarasenko ahead of time, and then Patrick Kane a little bit more last minute, and they haven't contributed. In the fashion that I think many of us anticipated. I know there's something to be said for chemistry, but really Patrick Kane has a couple of goals in a few games now. Tarasenko has been scoreless for three, and they need to kick it up a notch too because I know they're in that third position rather comfortably right now, but right now can change very quickly if you yeah. lose another three of four. So this game against the Penguins is key for both sides. The LA Kings, this team... Go ahead. <laughs> I just think it's funny. You insisted that you want to talk about this because we have the LA Kings hosting. Yeah. The who? The, the blue jackets. jackets? <laughs> yeah. The blue jackets. All right, Ryan, take it away. Why are we watching this game? Because, uh, first of all, the whole plus minus thing with LA, they've been at the negative goal for and goals against differential for most of the season. They're creeping into the plus seven. But compared to the other teams leading the division, Vegas a plus 32, it just it just still gets me how this team has 85 points in 67 games when they're just a plus seven. That's my whole thing. But this is an example of the Kings. Again, if Vegas doesn't play as well this week and the Kings continue to go on you know, six wins in the last 10, whatever it is, they I'm telling you, I think the Kings have a great chance of surpassing Vegas by the time the season is done for top spot in that Pacific. I would not be surprised if they are crowned the champions of that Pacific division. What's interesting is Jonathan Quick, new Vegas Golden Knight, is perfect in yep. net for the Knights. He's 3-0, and and his save percentage, I don't have it in front of me, but it's outstanding. And his old team, Los Angeles, Corpusalo, who came over for from Columbus, right. is perfect for him as well. You yeah. want to talk about just matches made in heaven. Yeah. These are two players that did not win a lot of games with their respective teams beforehand and now are enjoying a lot of success. I'd love to see the duel between Vegas and Los Angeles down the stretch just because of the Jonathan Quick element alone. Oh, yeah. No great story. Um, we talked about coaches. I dropped the clink camera with um, Daryl Sutter. Rod Brindamore is about as cool, calm as collect for most of them. 
uh, in the coach for the most point uh, during the course of a season, but I know he gets a little rattled at some point. Anyway, a couple of key games coming up for them as well, but I just want to play, we just want to play this this clip where Carolina lately is not scoring, and here's Rod Brindamore's take on why. What did you see tonight? There you go. So if you're not getting those, you got an issue. We just scored. We came off. We went six and six. Scored six and six, and now we've gotten one in three games. But I mean, it, it goes like that sometimes. And obviously, right now we're in a little stretch where we haven't been able to find the net. So Tuesday tonight they have a game against the Jets. They're having trouble scoring. Then Friday they have a game against the Maple Leafs, plus the Svechnikov situation, Vic. So it doesn't sound very good about no. Andre Svechnikov. Right now, we don't have confirmation. It sounds like he has a torn ACL, which means that we're not going to see him play again until September yeah. or October, something like that, which would be such a shame. They've already had to deal with the Max Pacioretty disappointment, and now one of their top three scorers is going to be out of the equation for what you would have hoped for is a really cool and interesting playoff run yeah. with lots of drama, and this is a huge loss, man. Like Outside of maybe Sebastian Ajo, I don't think there's a bigger loss that they could sustain right now. Fingers crossed, it ain't as bad as all that, mm. but it doesn't. Anytime those ligaments, look. right? The ligament thing. It's just. Once they start doing the letters, MCLs yeah. and ACLs yeah. and other CLs, it's never really good by news. The, but. By the way, did you see the other night when Steven Stamkos was playing? And he yeah, that was, was weird. What was happened? Weird. Yeah, I mean, I to me, that looked like it was a, it was a ligament. And then. Oh, just, we're, oh, we're watching. We're like, he's, he's toast. Yeah, it's he's done. done. We're not going to see Stamkos play until, again, next fall. And then he was, he's okay. Yeah. So, the, the human body, man. And then sometimes you see something and it looks nothing. And then you find out they're out six to eight weeks. So yeah. it's just uh, one of those strange things. But I'm very glad that Stamkos is all right. Yeah. And fingers crossed again for Svechnikov. But you score one goal in three games. Yeah. That's very un-Carolina-like. And they need to get back on track. Never mind the standings, Ryan. No. They just need to get back on track and get back in the habit of winning. You go from winning six nothing against Tampa on the fifth, and then you lose one win one nothing Philly, you lose four nothing to Vegas, and lose three nothing to the uh, New Jersey Devils. Coming up on Saturday, so many, and we could talk about all the games because it's such a massive night of courts. Bruins, Wild, Vic, Oilers, Kraken, Stars, Flames, pretty good ones. Oilers Kraken. We got to see what these Kraken are made we of. We do. We do. They are still challenging. Stars and Flames is huge, especially because we talked earlier about how the Stars are scoring in spades right now, and the Flames need every point they can get. We'll see if yep. they're still in the mix by the time the weekend rolls around, or they're going to be in the mix. They're not going to be out of it, but how comfortable they are in the mix is what's going to be determined. Rangers, Preds, Devils, Lightning coming up on Sunday. Again, where's Nashville going to be at? Uh, maybe we'll have some sort of indication by the end of the week as to what is really going on and with Philip Forsberg. Hopefully, uh, he's in my hockey pool as well. So I'm really kind of <laughs> wanting him to come back at some point. Do you have an IR nice. spot for him? I, I do. Oh, yeah. It, okay. It, yeah, yeah all it's right. all good. But I'm just, you know, it'd be nice to get him fresh and kind of give me some more of the... Anyway, look at your, your brains just... Twirling around. Can't wait no, to No, I'm get just thinking that that's very me. magnanimous of you that you're hoping Philip Forsberg comes back soon because of your fantasy. Oh, no, stop. Yeah, that's a topic for a completely <laughs> different day, which I may not even get to with you. So Rangers 2, again, they're battling the Devils. And the Devils and the Lightning, they they meet uh, not just once, but they, meet, they met back on Tuesday. So three times. Uh, that's key because Tampa and Toronto... New Jersey, Carolina, the Rangers, all these teams battling for respective spots. I think in their it's divisions. bizarre. It's almost like a yeah. very mini playoff series. Like, are yeah. you playing best two of three? But you, they haven't faced each other all season. Yeah. Nothing. So, so you got to get them in all at once. All and then the you're going to play three 
in the span of like six days, not even. That's yeah. that's wild to me. I think it's very entertaining. And let's see, Timo Meyer hasn't been what we expected of Timo Meyer yet with the Devils. He hasn't had to be because other Devils have been scoring. It hasn't really mattered. But I think that's going to be a very interesting three-game set between two legitimate contenders in the East. Yeah, Devils, they have Tampa, Tampa, then Florida, then Tampa, then Minnesota. Talk about five games, which are pretty key. Devils oh, are boy. fine. We know that. They're... Going to the playoffs, just uh, we just don't know what position they will be in. Okay, Vix Fantasy 7 to end the podcast. Jason Zucker for the Pittsburgh Penguins can't stop scoring. I think it's nine goals in eight games right now. He's playing with Evgeny Malkin. He's just scoring up a storm. He is very underappreciated in ESPN.com standard leagues, so he's probably available. Go pick him up if you need some scoring. Barrett Hayton is fun with Arizona. Yep. He's having a really good time. He's putting up some good numbers. Hey, he's playing on a line with Clayton Keller. Nick Schmaltz is hurt right now, so his mm -hmm. numbers may dip a little bit, but I like Barrett Hayton a lot, especially in Dynasty play. I'd still play him in um, redraft leagues. Gabe Velarde, Los Angeles. He's scoring for Los Angeles. Los Angeles are winning games, and I don't think we pay enough attention to them because they play at 1030 at night and I'm in bed. Other than that, <laughs> they're... Uh... <laughs> That's why they have the recaps. <laughs> I watch... It's not the same, though. No, I know, same. I know. I watch yeah. the recaps. Yeah. Well, we spoke earlier about... Philadelphia, not much is going right there, but Owen Tippett is going right. Yep. John Tortorella loves Owen Tippett. Yeah. He has him on the top line. He's playing. He was playing him 23, 24, 25 minutes a game for a forward, giving him every opportunity in the world. He's shooting up a storm. He's scoring up a storm. I'm really enjoying right now what Owen Tippett is doing. We mentioned earlier Dallas is scoring in spades. Mason Marchman is one big reason why he is under rostered like crazy. I'm going to do a repeat from last week, Ryan, mm -hmm. because I'm disgusted uh -oh. <laughs> with how little rostering percentages have gone up for this one particular player. Rasmus Sandin with the Washington Capitals. Mm. He is anchoring the top power play. Yeah. I believe he has, I think it's like nine, eight, nine points in a span of five games. You can double check my math there. But he is playing about 25 minutes a game. This is a far cry from the ice, tea, uh, the ice time he was enjoying in Toronto. He is absolutely ripping it up. He needs to be rostered in pretty much essentially all, any scoring fantasy league in e uh, the ESPN.com universe. He's so not, why isn't he should get on that? I don't, I so don't know. Uh, name recognition. They just yeah. don't expect it. I don't know. People aren't paying attention to Washington anymore. I don't get it at all. And I actually have to offer a little respect here because when he was traded from the Los Angeles Kings to Vegas, I thought, why I thought Jonathan Quick was having a terrible season. Well, that's not my opinion. Jonathan mm -hmm. Quick was having a terrible season in Los Angeles, and I didn't really understand that move. I guess the injuries, of course, goaltending with Vegas, I understood that part of it. And you know what? I'm eating my hat about this because he's won three straight. He's put up amazing numbers. He's garnering the bulk of starts for Vegas right now, yep. and he's, he's winning them. So if you need goaltending help, he's available in 75% of ESPN.com leagues. There's your goalie. All right, just give me a second. I will get on right now to change my... Uh, Sandine, four games, one goal, seven assists, eight points, and he has, uh, I don't know how, four shot, whatever, but eight points in four games is... I still think that trade was not a good one for Toronto, but... Anyway, but at we'll least see. get them on your fantasy team at yeah, least and exactly. like just take the points. They're just there for the grabbing. You don't have to trade a player away. 
Vix Fantasy 7, make sure you check her at ESPN.com. She's the best at what she does, and hopefully that helps you this week. We'll be back next week. We're out of time. We'll drop the clink hammer again and take a look back to the week that was, which will be the next number of days, of course, till we reconvene early next week. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Peyton at Victoria Matiash. Catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Google us. We're also on the SiriusXM app. On behalf of Victoria, I'm Ryan. We'll talk next week. This has been Pucks in 7, available on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts.